0: We know that this battle has been going on since the Garden of Eden, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I will put enmity between your offspring and his, right? And so the devil has to destroy our offspring. He has to destroy our concept of what the Mm -hmm. good is, which he did in the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. Um, And to do that, he, he wants us to believe that bad is good and good is bad. Yeah. And and that's where we are right now, mm-hmm. and that's leading to what I I truly believe is our increase in a number of other issues that we're seeing in medicine today with regards to depression, suicide, mm. um, you know, uh, transgender thoughts, uh, some of those types of things. Yeah, is it, that disharmony?
1: Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Aaron Richards. I'll be hosting today's show. I'm joined here in the illustrious Damascus Media Studio by my friend Brad Pierron. Welcome, Brad. Hey, good to see you, Aaron. Yes. And uh, really, we have we have a very very special guest today, mm-hmm. the uh, Doctor Doctor Michael Parker uh, has been a man who's been a part of my family for a long time. Not only one of the greatest beekeepers I know, <laughs> but also the one who successfully delivered three of my four children. So Dr. Mike, welcome to the show, man. Yes. Well, thanks, thanks for, Aaron joining and Brad us for
0: having me on. And it's so good to see all of you again. And I give all the credit for beekeeping to my wife, Teresa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. Parker is also the father of uh, Jack, one of our producers of the show here. So uh, Jack, thanks for your efforts, Mm -hmm. man. And uh, Dr. Mike, it's great to have you on the show today.
0: Well, it's great to be here. And you know, it's great to be involved with Damascus. Uh, Uh You've Mm -hmm. been such a big influence in my family with my children. Uh, All five of, I think four out of the six uh, came up here for summer camp or Mm -hmm. been involved with Damascus in one way or another. And so it's it's great to be here and to... uh, Beyond this show. I, I listen to it all the time and I really enjoy what you guys are putting Woo-hoo, out. Thanks. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, friends, if you're joining for the first time, or if you haven't been back in a while, you know that Beyond Damascus is the show where encounter meets mission. So like St. Paul, when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, his life was changed, not just internally, but it he was he was uh, pushed into a place of of a life of transforming mission. And uh, we, we've got an incredible topic to discuss today, one that's really critical. And as we discuss today's topic, um, I want to I want to charge us with that same understanding that as as we uh, as we learn and as our hearts are convicted, whether through uh, ideally relationship with Jesus or the various ways that Jesus speaks uh, as as the Lord speaks through His voice in in areas of justice um, and in areas of of you know, defense of defense of those who are unable to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. This is an area where, where we have to listen for God's voice and be ready to be charged for action. Uh, and Dr. Parker, I know that you've done this so well. Today, friends, we're discussing uh, a topic that I don't know if you've heard about, but it's very important, especially here in Central Ohio. And if you're listening from outside of the state of Ohio, it's only a matter of time mm-hmm. before you have to think about something similar. So today... Uh, we've got some significant concern with the right to reproductive freedom with protections for health and safety. That's the official title that's mm-hmm. on, the, on the docket right now. And effectively, it's a, it's a consideration for a shift in the Ohio Constitution that would actually allow us, uh, well, we'll get into the detail, but mm-hmm. it, it, um, it throws a big barrier into the pursuit of the defense of the unborn and especially the defense of, of minors. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Parker, this has been something that's on your heart for a long time. You want to give us just a brief intro of kind of how you walked into this space and, and how this topic became a passion of yours?
0: Well, it's, it's, it's a rather long story, but it, you know, I took care of your family and uh, my journey to this point, so yeah. to speak, and I know that I've told this to you before, uh, was truly an act of the Holy Spirit. You know, I was uh, just your regular OBGYN, thought I'd live the the good life of a physician, uh, do what I needed to do. I was providing contraception, doing sterilizations. Uh, I never referred for abortion or did abortions in my practice. Um, And, uh, you know, it was just kind of going along. And then I met a, a couple that I was working with with infertility. And we got to the point where I'd exhausted all of my options for helping them with their problems. And I said, well, our next step is to go to the reproductive specialist and IVF. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we can't do that. And I, I kind of looked at them. And they said, well, well, why Why not? What's going on here? And they mm-hmm. said, well, we're Catholic. That's against our faith. And I said, well, I'm Catholic too. And I don't see a problem with it. And a lot of my Catholic friends don't either. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, well, we do, and we can't. So they handed me information about a place called the Pope Paul VI Institute in Omaha, Nebraska, which is now the St. Pope Paul VI Institute for the Study of Human Reproduction uh, in, in Omaha. And I, I kind of started reading about it and started looking into it. And at the same time, uh, there were many couples coming to see me who were using natural family planning. And I didn't really get why. Um, later it turns out I had become a target of a Regnum Christi group. And, uh, and they were trying to, they were trying to, they were trying to convince me to, to really give up everything I knew Typical. Uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, become an NFP only physician. So, yeah. you know, I was taking the material they were giving me. I was politely putting it on my desk and never reading it. It probably got to be about a foot and a half high. Um, but you know, when, when I was, uh, really given this information and started reading it, I I was sort of convicted to to become interested and not necessarily to change my life or to change Mm -hmm. the way I do things, but to learn more about it, Mm -hmm. okay? And so I I scheduled myself to go out to the uh, St. Paul Paul VI Institute in Omaha to just audit this course on on, on, uh, natural family planning and the Creighton model specifically. Uh, And while I was there, there was a diminutive little nun, Sister Renee, she stands about five feet two, right, and you're looking at me six six foot four, two hundred <laughs> quite the imposing pounds, right? presence. And uh, I'm sitting in the in the farthest back of this hotel uh-huh. auditorium that you can get, and she's talking about humanity vitae. Now, having grown up in the '60s and '70s, I'd never heard of humanity vitae until 1999. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a surprise. But she starts talking, and she just tells me about the the beauty of what the true relationship is between man and woman and God's role in it and the role of the Holy Spirit. And it was if the Holy Spirit just came down that aisle and smacked me in the forehead and said, you're doing it all wrong. You're doing it all wrong. And I called my wife that night and, you know, I told her, you know, I was sorry for, you know, the things that we had done, um, the things that I was doing and that I was changing my life over to follow God's calling (laughs) for this. And, um, you know, I, I look at this as, you mentioned this is about Paul's road on Damascus, right? Road to Damascus. And yeah. his conversion was immediate, mm-hmm. you know? But then I was more like Peter, okay? Peter had to make mistakes. Peter had to deny Jesus. He had to deny everything there and until he finally came to the conviction that, you know, on on Pentecost Sunday, mm-hmm. when he had the courage and the strength to go out and speak to the people and convert 3,000 people in one day, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, That was me. I was Peter. It took me a while to Mm -hmm. make that full conversion, but finally in 2004, I converted my practice over to uh, being consistent with my Catholic faith and the teachings of the Catholic Church. And, you know, it was a scary moment, but the the Lord blesses you when you follow his way. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sure my son, Jack, who's the producer, one of the producers of the show here can tell you. Uh, It wasn't easy for us in the initial stages, but after a while, it just, you know, God provides and he just takes right over. Well, we talk
2: talk all the time on the show about encounter meeting mission. And there's this um, moment in all of our lives uh, where the Lord like brings himself to us, you know? And it can happen in so many different contexts. And so it's so interesting to hear it in the context of work, in the context of um, occupation that like the Lord actually said, I have a different way for you. And I also love, and we teach this a lot too, is that the Lord didn't take the practice from you. He just transformed it. He said, I've already had you on this path. If you bring me into it, we can do something together. So that encounter meeting mission moment is so important.
0: Well, you're absolutely right. And, and one of the things when you look back on your life, you can, mm-hmm. you can start to see God's hand even from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was baptized on St. Patrick's Day, right? Um, Perfect. You know, my name is Michael. You know, it, we'll get there. My here, here's about here's a good point. My confirmation name mm-hmm. Augustine. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So being being far, you know, when I was in college and even in early medical school, really mm-hmm. until I met my wife Teresa, I was very far away from the church. In mm-hmm. fact, I considered myself probably a pro-choice liberal mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife, you know, was probably the first evangelist for me to really bring me back mm-hmm. to the church, and I think mm-hmm. that's what your role is in in marriage, as we found out later, is to get your spouses to heaven. And mm-hmm. she was she was doing that very well. Um, and, but then you you start to see the the influence of that that life and and of priests in your life. I, I remember it was after Jack's baptism, we're out to lunch with. Uh, our, our parish priest and he he asked me if we were going to have any more children. I said mm-hmm. no, Father. I think we're done. I think I'm going to go take care of this problem. Uh-huh. And he just looked at me and he said, "Who are you to mess with God's plan?" Yeah, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was it. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to say much. It's just that gentle witness. My wife, of course, is laughing her her, her head <laughs> off. But uh, you know, it was it was just those little convictions along the way that yeah. lead you to reassess and reevaluate where you are. And where you are in that journey and that walk with Jesus Christ um, mm-hmm. until you, you know, you realize, hey, I'm yours. Uh, do with me as you need. Yeah,
1: that's beautiful. Uh, I want to pull one piece out before we jump in, because I, I think the response of a Christian has to, be, has to be kind of twofold when we're faced with, with difficulty like we'll be discussing today. Number one, when, when we see injustice, uh, we, have to, we have to fight. Yeah, and uh, fighting is uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. and it puts you in a place of actually positioning yourself uh, in in a in a way that you will be seen and you'll be heard and ridiculed, and you'll be ridiculed, you'll be judged, Mm -hmm. right? And and then at the other point, I'd love to identify something that you mentioned. You know, your conversion it didn't come through a a hard headed you know attack on you or your practice or your behavior. It came through a revelation of of beauty and goodness and truth. Mm-hmm. right? I, I love in the words of Jesus, when, when he identifies through the Sermon on the mountain at various other locations in the gospel, he's like, say, you have heard it said, mm-hmm. but I say I this, right? That, that the Lord actually invites us to think about things from a different way. And that it's actually, it's, it's, why, why does the church have a stance against contraception? Why does the church have a stance against abortion? You know, why does the church have the answers for all of the questions that we're dealing with in the realm of sexual identity and mm-hmm. sexual integrity, and uh, it, it's it boils down to the fact that's always existed. You know that Jesus, or Saint Saint John Paul II identifies in the theology of the body that Jesus in the scriptures he he looks back and he says in the beginning it was not so. That when we look back to how it is that men and women are created in God's image, that we actually see there the foundations of why is it that we should expect a life of virtue from ourselves? Why is mm-hmm. it that we need to behave in a certain way, especially when it comes to our sexual identity? Why is our sexual identity so important? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because of the fact that we're made in the image and likeness of God, not mm-hmm. a guy sitting on a stool somewhere, you mm-hmm. know, a throne with a big long beard, but, but a God who is Trinity, yeah, who, who calls us into a life of free, total, faithful and fruitful gift. Mm-hmm. So it's that message that that'll resound. And, and I want to suggest even to some of our listeners as, as we, as we enter into today's kind of hot topic, uh, because it's critical to to discuss, um, if you find yourself from, coming at this from the standpoint of you're right, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think this is a good idea. I think we should be promoting concepts like this and uh, encouraging freedom and and choice. Allow your heart to be moved, not through mm-hmm. us beating down the door, but through an encounter with the Holy Spirit, the Person of Love. And sometimes it takes both those things to wear us down to the point where we're we're able to be receptive.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would also encourage anyone listening to to try your best not to divorce your body from your soul either. The, the, <laughs> the things we do in the natural matter yeah. in, in in the supernatural, right? In the in the things we can't see, because um, sometimes I think it's so easy for us to be like, well, in my in my soul, I'm I'm following all these things, but then like I somehow allow my body to do things that aren't in alignment with what I would allow my soul to do. And when we bring those together and we ask if my soul had new life in it, would I want that life removed from the soul? I think our answer would almost unequivocally be no, but then we divorce that from a reality that's happening in Mm -hmm. our body. And when we bring those two together and really wrestle with those questions, like what does that mean? What does that look like? It allows us to be in a, in an honest place where we can really take the, the the truth the goodness and the beauty as it is
0: but I think the word that comes to me as you both were speaking is harmony
1: yeah you mm-hmm. know
0: and that's a beautiful word you know and and when your when your soul and your body are in harmony mm-hmm. there is joy there is peace there is life we know that this battle has been going on since the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. right um, I will put enmity between your offspring and his right and so the devil has to destroy our offspring. He has to destroy our concept of what the good mm-hmm. is, which he did in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that, he he wants us to believe that bad is good and good is bad. Yeah. And and that's where we are right now, mm-hmm. and that's leading to what I I truly believe is our increase in a number of other issues that we're seeing in medicine today, with regards to depression, suicide, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, transgender thoughts, uh, some of those types of things. Yeah. It's that disharmony, yeah. not the harmony between the the body and soul. Oh well, yeah, he
2: contorts and distorts, right? Like right. he he takes and he, the the evil ones not bringing anything new. He's just taking what is and he's and he's um twisting it and and shifting it in, in a way that uh, confuses us.
1: Well, let's uh thanks thanks Brad thanks Dr. Parker for sharing that testimony. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I hope to I hope to dig into that a little deeper later. <laughs> but uh, what's on the table before us today? Um, you know. Mm-hmm we're we're here to discuss this particular proposed amendment to the constitution and i'd love to hear your perspective on what we're what we're dealing with.
0: Well what we're dealing with is a is a very egregious and and really i don't know how to say this but just catastrophic bill or amendment proposal for the state of Ohio. Um and and you gave the name uh before. Uh and it it all talks about reproductive freedom. And what this mm-hmm. this is intended to do is to enshrine abortion in the state constitution of Ohio all the way up through uh, the moment of birth, all trimesters of pregnancy, even after a baby is able to feel pain. Um, And it erases the basic right of parents by removing parental consent uh, and also removing the 24-hour waiting period and will, as we Mm -hmm. go through the wording of the ballot initiative, uh, jeopardize basic health and safety protections for patients when it comes to abortion. So let's say that some form of abortion remains legal in the state of Ohio. Um, This this amendment will basically nullify current laws in the state of Ohio uh, that ensure that there's safe abortions being performed. Um, And so you know, it, there there's other uh, things in there such as uh, what other reproductive freedoms are allowable, uh, and that gets into the question of transgender uh, therapies and uh, surgical treatments that are out there. And according to this amendment, those would be allowed. And so, as we as we go through our conversation, we can go through the specifics of the, of the amendment. But this is a, a very egregious amendment that's going to put us way back um, yeah. uh, with regards to life issues and even with regards, I think, to abortion issues, mm-hmm. um, whether it's the safety uh, of of the procedure or the coercive nature uh, of the industry of abortion, in that men will be able to coerce women more freely yeah, into okay. having abortions. Can I ask you a
2: question on, uh, it, it seems so... Correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't read through it in its entirety. But if it's if it's pertaining to both abortion and um, transgender operations um, and such for minors, it seems like the language would be pretty ambiguous to allow for both of that. Are they are they kind of bringing all of that under the the aegis of reproductive rights and reproductive freedom, or how is that being shaped?
0: This, this amendment is specifically written to be vague. Okay, mm-hmm. in in the opening line. Every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to mm-hmm. okay there's the legal decisions jargon. on contraception, fertility, uh, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care and abortion mm-hmm. Now individual what that means everybody mm-hmm. I have a right you have a right Aaron has a right to, to have an abortion mm-hmm. okay They can't even say woman. Okay, That, to me, is, is a tip-off right there that we're talking about, okay, are these birthing persons uh, mm-hmm. that, are, that are there? And then including but not limited to, uh, uh, proponents of this amendment will say, well, this says nothing in the bill. There is nothing in there that says mm-hmm. this allows for transgender surgeries or transgender mm-hmm. therapies. It's, a, it's explicitly uh, vague with that including but not limited to. And if you really want to see whether this is truly going to incorporate transgender rights, just Google mm-hmm. transgender rights are reproductive rights are human rights. And mm-hmm. you will come up with multiple pages of people showing signs, mm-hmm. placards, everything mm-hmm. else that says transgender rights are reproductive rights.
2: Yeah, I, I, well, I, I come back to that. Yeah. Um, well, I think first, thanks for contextualizing that for me. Because, like I said, I hadn't been able to read through it. I think I, I'm going back to that that thing I said at the beginning about the the divorcing of body and soul. Because mm-hmm. there's this reality that we've been given a body that actually indicates something about how we were made as as an individual, as as a person, right? And and I I also want to just before I throw it over to you, Aaron, and for any question you have, um, I I was just when you were speaking, Doctor Parker, I was thinking about that term "person," and that's actually a Catholic term. Like mm-hmm. we we took the term. Person, because we were trying to define a a being in relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, (laughs) I just, whenever I I hear these words, I'm like, I want to bring some of those words back. Like, like, let's not be so quick to give over a a term that was kind of ours, if you will. Like person Mm -hmm. is a being in relationship and to be in relationship means to know who I am and to know who the other is and to be in relationship in that way, right? And we're actually supposed to help the other discover objectively who they've been made to be, yeah. not in some subjective ethereal sense. But again, it's that to me, it's that we're even, even in this um, time of um, confusion, I'd say what we're trying to say is there's something inside me that's different than what's outside me. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, a, it's that move. It's that divorcing of again, what we would call body and soul. And it's like, no, let's integrate, let's harmonize. But yeah, I'll throw it over do you do on that.
1: For, for a long time in the world i feel like there there was a there was a sense that when something was precious that you should defend it right so if if i uh if i started a town i would i would build a wall i would equip a security force to protect it and that that whole concept it feels like it's it's not really even a part of our thought process at this point in the world anymore the idea of Defending against someone—I mean, it elicits a lot of the anger and frustration that you heard when it was, you know, communicating our border walls in the in the last uh, two presidential elections ago. Right? That mm-hmm. um, we we come to the we come to this place of of realizing that the energy behind defending something that should be enshrined in our in our dignity and in our in our nature. It, it's it's not it doesn't generate a lot of passion. Mm-hmm. Whereas you you see a lot of these new movements that are that are being prescribed and being advocated, they tend to get a lot of energy behind them because it's uh, you know it's easy to pour your energy into progress. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is a this is a, a a dangerous situation. Why particularly because I don't think it's on anybody's radar other than those who are proposing radical shift. Mm -hmm. right? And, and I mean, just look at the, look at the players who are, who are engaged in this. You see Mm -hmm. that this, this amendments being proposed by the ACLU, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the biggest partner right now is Planned Parenthood, Mm -hmm. right? That should be a tip off. You've got Mm -hmm. major advocates in, in Ohio, at least with the Ohio wins for reproductive freedom, the Ohio physicians for reproductive rights, uh, it, it should come as no surprise to any Catholic that these organizations are diametrically opposed to our Catholic understanding of of human rights and freedom, mm-hmm. right? And and the dignity of the human person. And as you were suggesting, Doctor Parker, the way that the 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 law itself is communicated, um, it it it's not only advocating for something that is good; it's intentionally tearing down the structures that exist now in order to promote good care and protection mm-hmm. so specifically the the words are it prohibits any law that would directly or indirectly mm-hmm. burden or interfere with reproductive decisions so what i understand is the argument that's being made is no this this wouldn't you know the argument that's being made from those who are proponents of this of this amendment would be that it 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 won't upset anything that already stands it won't it won't interfere with with parental rights But when you see the way that similar laws with similar language have been used by the ACLU and by other organizations or other states that have adopted such policies, that's that's, in fact the outcome. Exactly the outcome.
0: (laughs) And I and I think that's the best example that you can give. In fact, in Indiana, when the ACLU was uh, proposing that they get rid of parental notification rights, they said that these were a burden to a woman having an abortion. That's their own words. an an ACLU lawyer actually admitted that parental notification laws would be nullified. Uh, That's in a Fox news article. Anybody can pull that up regarding the Ohio abortion amendment. Um, And, I want to go back, Aaron, to what you were saying about how we, we've we changed the language of yeah. what's going on here. Um, you know, when I was growing up, uh, we spoke affectionately about a baby in the womb. They were a bun in the oven or, <laughs> you know, uh, something very affectionate uh, in our way we do it. Now they, what are they? They're unplanned. They're yeah. unexpected. They're a unwanted. They're unintended, mm-hmm. right? Impersonal. And and impersonal. Yep. Yeah. And, and they need to do that because I think deep down inside, we all know that this is a little a human being that's within the womb of its biological mother, and and of course, you know, in and, and that baby has a right mm-hmm. to be in that womb. Uh, it, it's a natural bond that God created mm-hmm. uh, that is there to ensure that life continues. Mm-hmm. But they've taken this language and they've co opted it to make it sound like I don't have freedom unless I can kill this person right mm-hmm. I think uh, Gavin Newsom, I, I wish I could remember the exact uh, uh, he said uh, we've become a country obsessed with killing and not with living you know not with life. that's a paraphrase um, and he was talking about the 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 uh, mass shooting in Texas that mm-hmm. occurred over the weekend, and I thought, you know you're absolutely right. we are a country obsessed with killing, we're obsessed with killing the unborn mm-hmm. Mm. It, it doesn't, have, there, there are fewer people killed by mass shootings than by abortion on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Daily, there are more children slaughtered through abortion than there are with mass killings by guns. Yeah.
2: Well, that's and, the obsession.
0: with Yeah. That. Well, and if I, and, and
2: if, if I can speak to that as well, like I was, I'm just trying to like listen and absorb as we're speaking about this. Like, but one thing is we would all look at that shooting in Texas and lament it. Like all of us would look and be like, we don't want that. And now the different proposals on how we get from here to there, we might disagree on, but all of us would look at it and lament it, certainly not celebrate it. Right. And on the other side, I I just don't know where that, where that mismash has happened where now it's not, it's not merely tolerating the, the killing of the unborn because of some far extreme circumstance, but it's the celebration thereof for the autonomy of the person. And I do think it comes from this false understanding that freedom means autonomy. Like, like God is perfectly free, and He's Trinity. Like, um, mm-hmm. like <laughs> it's it's not an autonomous like word. Like, I am freedom in the in the context of relationship always. Mm-hmm. And um, right. it's just it's it's fascinating, um, and heartbreaking. I, I mean, fascinating in the sense of like I don't have any way of understanding how we got to where we're at, but that, that mismatch there, you know, that, the understanding that life is precious and that we should protect it.
0: Well, it's, Brad, it's very easy to give you an example of how we got to this point. Mm. Okay. Uh, and it's, and it's because of what's happened over time. Uh, you know, back in we talked about shotgun weddings back in the forties, fifties, and sixties, right. Or where did this girl go? Mm. Right. Um, if you were in a relationship with a man back in the 50s, and if you agreed to encounter each other in a, in a sexual encounter, and you became pregnant, there was this unwritten agreement that we would get married, okay, or I would take care of you, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, when we introduced contraception into the mix, okay, now it's the, the, we're going to be using contraception, and if I become pregnant, okay, well— that's not really my fault. Uh, it was a fault of the contraception. I'm not responsible for Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay.
2: So the responsibility is right. abdicated. And yeah. so
0: because contraception failed and now I'm pregnant and the man didn't have to take responsibility. Now I need abortion. Okay. Yeah, I right. have to have abortion to end something that I'm not going to be supported with. Yeah. And when it becomes a woman's decision to have an abortion, even though half of that human being is the father, or 50 49%, right. <laughs> um, what in, what interest does a man have in staying with this woman if it's her decision whether to have that baby or not why it's it's it takes all responsibility mm-hmm. away from him to care for that child. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And so this is a, a natural progression of what we see from a, a contraceptive mentality to an abortion mentality, mm-hmm. where we've uh, changed these, the, the 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 discussion of what a baby is, what life is, when life begins, and it's all been to support this this notion of a woman's reproductive freedom. Mm-hmm. And we all know, according to our Catholic faith, is, is freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's an ability to do the right thing in the moment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, you know, those types of things we have to remember. Yeah,
1: yeah, that is remarkable. You know, a lot of times you see the you, you make a case for the fact that 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 science, that medicine, that progress it's it's always it's always a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. But in this case, yeah, it. It can really be traced back, and if you look, even if you ever read *Humanae Vitae* or the teachings of Pope Paul VI, right? Mm-hmm. That there was there was this uh, prophetic statement that was made that mm-hmm. it it is this it is this moment with the advent of of regularly available um, medical contraceptives contraceptives mm-hmm. that that will uh, that will lay the foundation for a shift. Mm-hmm. in the way that we understand and relate as human beings. Mm-hmm. And we're still, we probably haven't seen the end of it, right? Yeah, we know
0: we haven't. And one of the arguments that you always hear is, well, well contraception will reduce the number of abortions,
1: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
0: But if you look at the introduction of when contraception came out in the early 1960s and when abortion was made legal throughout all 50 states in 1973, mm-hmm. you see a parallel line. Uh, the rise in contraception parallels the rise in abortion until they both even out when we have widespread use of both. And so that that it, that in and of itself is a fallacy out there. But mm-hmm. I, I think we, we we want to get back to the to the point that, that we're making, you know Aaron, that you made that that science, we think progression of science is a good, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it should be for the good of the people. But the Catholic Church teaches us wait a minute, just because we can, doesn't mean we should, Hmm. right? And that specifically comes out with Mm -hmm. some of the reproductive technologies that we see and in the the discussion of human reproduction. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Um, And and we can look at contraception, we can look at the reproductive technologies with IVF uh, and all of those things that have really led to the degradation of that true relationship mm-hmm. between man and woman. And that's what I saw when I heard that discussion on Humanae Vitae mm-hmm. was the degradation of the relationship between man and woman.
2: That's right. Yeah, because when we separate, when we set love and life, we're always meant to go together. When you separate love and life, you lose love and you lose life, right? Yeah. So like love and life, they go together. That, that's, that's why the Catholic church has the teaching on contraception she has. That's the reason the Catholic church has the teaching on all of human sexuality that she has is because love and life are meant to go together. And the moment you separate love and life, you lose both because love on, on its own that's not life-giving loses a huge part of what it is. Same thing with life. Without love, it loses a huge—I mean, you were mentioning the, the numbers with um, suicide now. Like life loses purpose when the love that we were created for is no longer in play, right? And love becomes a term that we can't even define when you take the life-giving affect of it out of it, right? Because any kind of love, if you look at parental love, it's supposed to give life. If you look at erotic eros love, it's supposed to give life. Agape love, even when you die, it's supposed to give life, right? The the godlike love and filio and filia friendship, we can see that too, right? It's supposed to be life-giving. And I think- um, I'm just constantly seeing this, this move where the, the first move seems subtle, where it's like, let's just separate these two and analyze them. Yeah. But then once you separate them and analyze them, if you leave them separated, I look at that with body and soul, which I've already mentioned twice. And I look at that with love and life.
1: And it's, it's hard to see a world where the, the enshrinement of language like this, as you identified, Dr. Parker, uh, it, can, it can't be seen in any other way than a direct attack on the, on the integrity of the family. Right on on the direct attack of of what natural order is supposed to uh support in in the health and the and the well-being of individuals, so yeah, I mean, rip it all apart, right that, okay. that seems to be the the solution that's being proposed right and and when we look at John Paul II, we keep going back to this because he
0: was such a wise man, and he wrote so prolifically about mm-hmm love, life, and the family, right? The family is the basic building block of society. It's where yeah. we learn our morals. It's where, where we learn how to interact with each other. It's where we learn how to love each other. And, it, and we learn how to fight with each other and come out of it <laughs> on the good side, right? Right. Um, and, and so this this amendment is intended to attack the family. I mean, mm-hmm. one, it's going to remove the child immediately from a family that was just begun, Uh, Two, it's going to separate a a minor daughter from their parents and their ability to be present for that daughter Mm -hmm. to provide them with, you know, they may provide them with support or those types of, uh, uh, with love. They may react in a totally different way than that daughter thinks that they would. Mm -hmm. And the opponents are looking at this and saying, well... You know this. This young girl ought to have the right to make a decision without their parents knowing. Because what if she's being abused by one of the parents? Well, you just hid the abuse, and this law allows for that to happen. Yeah. If 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 a I father is 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 molesting his teenage daughter, and she gets pregnant, according to this law, this this bill, if it's passed, a person or entity that assists in an individual in exercising this right, this right to an abortion unless the state demonstrates that it's using less direct means can do this. So he can take her down, force her to have an abortion and take her back home and continue the abuse. Mm -hmm. You know, this law allows for sex traffickers to take women down, coerce them into having an abortion, take them right back and put them right back into the, into the situation they were in before with no consequences at all. No consequences for a coerced abortion. And so that's because
1: this, because a coerced abortion would ultimately be her choice on paper,
0: right? Mm. Yeah, on, on paper. But what this also does is it opens up to you know the school counselor providing your young daughter with the abortion medication mm-hmm. without your knowledge or consent. Okay, uh, taking her down to Planned Parenthood to have an abortion, taking her right back to school that afternoon, coming home that afternoon, and you'll never know about it. And many people will say, "Oh, that's never going to happen. That's not going to happen." Just look what's going on in the newspaper. You can read it every day mm-hmm. where a teacher says, it's okay to hide my child's gender transition from the parents. Mm-hmm. If it's okay to do that, why isn't it okay to, to hide their abortion from the yeah. parents? Um, you have to look at in totality of what they're doing. And mm-hmm. across states where they're trying to enact laws like this, they're trying to destroy that relationship between the child and the parent, mm-hmm. Okay. And that, that is the basic building block of society. It's what gives us order. It's what gives us unity. It's something, you know, some people may not have the greatest of families, but they have a family. Yeah. Right. And we can work through the issues that may be uh, going on within a troubled
1: family, but to
0: further separate and divide is evil.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm even trying to think is like, is what could possibly be the rationale for why this is a good idea? uh is there is there any other reason besides like well this is just a well strategized and articulated attack of the enemy yeah <laughs> on the plan of god
2: i th- i mean i think it has to it has to do with calling right order oppression i th- i think that has to be the move so yeah. if if you're a proponent of something like this right where you're like this Like, again, if we're just saying maybe in good faith, someone stepping up and saying, I think that this bill is right for the state of Ohio. It's hard for me to even put myself in a place where that's rationally coming about. But I think it would have to come from a place where the order that is now is considered oppressive and needs to be moved past. But here's the thing. Order is not there to oppress It's there to free us. And and we use this all the time in the church, but like, am I more free if I'm on a mountaintop with no wall surrounding the top or am I more free with a wall surrounding the top? Well, with a wall, because then I don't have to fear falling off. Like, and and we've had 2000 years of walls being built around a mountaintop so that we can live as permissibly as possible in the most beautiful place that we could ever imagine without falling off or without even the fear of falling off and as you remove those walls people begin falling off and and i i just don't um my heart in all of this has just been like if we if we as the church don't come out and like speak with a heart of conviction and evangelization in these matters we we we're, we're, we're going to lose the opportunity to speak the truth of the gospel into society like like th- that is the answer to this is the gospel the answer to this is that jesus in giving his life away freely brought life to others that like he went to death to bring life and so often like i am like oh i just want to live without <laughs> any any hardship and i want to live without giving my life to anything no like no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life right and um and and what a how are we not celebrating the fact that mothers lay down their lives like no one else on the face of the planet? Like that is the most beautiful thing. And like, you look at a woman who has a baby and it's like, that baby is totally dependent on you. You've you've given that life that you've been given over to something. And you're, you're actually like infusing your life into this little one. Like even when you die, the life, literally your DNA has been brought into this little one. Like the little one is literally going to take your life into the world and the life that God gave me to make me in his image. When I pass it off to my little ones, those little ones are carrying the image he gave me into like, it's, yeah, there's just a beauty that we need to get back to presenting in matters like this because we have to tell a better story. There is a better story than order equals oppression.
0: Right. And- it just, it just comes down to, you know, I, I, I kind of lost my train of thought here, but you know, it's, we have order, we have laws for order yeah. and God gave us 10 rules to follow, right? Mm. The 10 commandments to bring order to society. Um, they've always been there to bring orders to society. What this is, is this is the evil one working in society to break down, as we said before, the family and her offspring and his, you know? And it comes from the making that 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 baby, that 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 newly formed life, an object, a material. It's something that could be bought, sold, created, destroyed, right? With no feelings. And to do that, you have to get rid of the morality of God. Okay. And so, if I remove God from society, if I remove Jesus from society, it becomes very easy for me to not recognize this as his creation not mine okay uh and therefore it's easy for me to discard this because it's mm-hmm. an inconvenience to me mm-hmm. okay uh rather than seeing this as truly a blessing and a gift and something that has never ever been seen before on this planet yeah. and will never ever be seen again on this planet mm-hmm. praise god yeah you know and it's going to add a unique twist to his creation you know, that mm-hmm. has yet to be witnessed, but is witnessed in the second it is conceived. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've done a lot of counseling with young women who are, are find themselves in situations where they're pregnant uh, and they're concerned about things, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, what's going to happen? How am I going to do this? My parents aren't going to do anything. You know, my parents are going to, you know, make me move out. Mm-hmm. They, 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 mm-hmm. they have a lot of fear, a lot of rational thoughts uh, and it's very difficult to come up with a good decision. But when it comes right down to it, I don't think there's any woman I've counseled. uh, There are women who probably out there who wanted to have an abortion, but there's no, no women I counseled who came in concerned about things actually wanted an abortion. Okay. But they felt they had no other option. Mm. And that right there is the greatest coercion into having an abortion is feeling. I have no other options. Right now in the state yeah. of Ohio, there is $7 million every year for women who find themselves in a pregnancy situation and they have needs, whether mm. it's um, insurance through our state uh, uh, insurance programs, whether it's for um, uh, food stamps, welfare, whatever it is they need to help raise that child, $7 million that's going unused, mm. that can be used. There are resources uh, with the pregnancy resources center, resource centers that we have here in this in the city of Columbus, but throughout the state of Ohio, I think what I, I heard once is there are uh, eight to one pregnancy resource centers to abortion clinics in the state of Ohio. Mm. There are a lot of resources to help these women through what they uh, they, they see as a difficult time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, and so we have to we have to remember that this is our truly our calling in the church is to walk with these people on their journey mm-hmm. uh, and to be present to them, uh, you know, preaching the gospel and sometimes using words, right? Um, but living that gospel with them. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I was, I, I'm reflecting on the, uh, well, as we're recording this, it was the scripture reading from this past weekend, but one of the first moves that the church does whenever the church is pushed back against is it takes care of widows and orphans. It's so one of the first things that it does is it it takes care of women and children who are in need. And in today, the church does the same thing. But again, if you're listening today and you're involved in young people's lives, like making sure they know that the church is always a resource for them, that it always has a place to to point them. Like, like you said, that was it seven million dollars? Like that's something that I was ignorant to. And it's like the this is something that the church from the from the very beginning has seen as something that it needs to take on. Even when the Hellenists push back and say, what's happening with widows and orphans? And they're like, well, we're literally going to give full-time staff to that. And uh, still today.
0: And that's how the Romans knew who the Christians were. They went to the dung heaps and they pulled the babies off the piles, the, the unwanted uh, yeah. children off the piles and raised them as their own. You know, that's how they knew they were Christians.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and, you know, There is a love out there, and there are, uh, Hmm. you know, they want to frame us as only being concerned about the baby. We're concerned about both. Uh, Dr. Wilkie, who started the Ohio Right to Life movement um, way back in the '70s, wrote a book. It's called uh, "Why Can't We Love Them Both?" And we can. We have the we have the resources, we have the people, okay, uh, to do that. But what's being told to these people is, oh, this is such a burden for you. This will be so much easier for you. Your life will be so much better for you if you just have an abortion. You know, And if that was the case, we'd recommend it for everybody, wouldn't we? But we don't. Because in my practice, I've seen the ravages of abortion. I've seen what it does emotionally, psychologically, and two relationships um, uh, that uh, women have with um, either their spouse or their significant other, the mm-hmm. father of the baby. Um, you know, it's, and hmm. it's, it's the untold story. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, Dr. Parker, as, as we sort of orient this show toward a close, um, I, I I wonder if we could speak to the listeners of the show, particularly for those who might be, um, I guess in a similar state of life to where I'm at right now, I've, we've got four kids. We've got one on the way. Did you know that?
0: No, I, I so know. Not congratulations.
1: <laughs> Praise the Lord. And, uh, and I, Always the last to know. Hey, Question. you know, if if you had stayed in practice, we'd be in a different story right now. <laughs> God, <it. laughs> we're, uh, we're we're trying to we're trying to convince Dr. Parker to come back and start a birthing wow. clinic here at Damascus,
0: yeah. <laughs> only for Damascus missionaries. Given the given the rate,
1: uh, where I was going is We'll it. Just build I, something out in the I barn. Think, yeah. I <laughs> think my you know when I hear just these outrageous realities. Of, of uh you know the temptation toward toward brokenness in in sexual identity uh when I hear about stuff like this um it makes me as a parent want to just <laughs> like hunker down and hmm. avoid any entanglement and I don't think that's a that's a posture that we can take right that that this this move of the progressive social agenda that again is, is directly oppositional to not only the Catholic church, but to our understanding of our God given human dignity, right? The core component of who we are as Christians, uh, there, there is no running away from this. If, if we run from this, uh, you know, yeah, we, I I might avoid it for, for me and for my children today, but running from this is, is, uh, it's avoiding a responsibility that I have as a mm-hmm. Christian to actually make make the change in responding to that same mandate that that we'll advocate for when it comes to proactive evangelization. Right? Mm-hmm. That that God's kingdom would come, that His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and and we have a responsibility to that. What would you say, Doc, to the to the those today who are asking, okay, what what can I do? What should I do? What do I need to do? Okay, about this.
0: Well, you're absolutely right. You know, we when we get to heaven, we're going to be judged not only but what we've done, but what we've not done. And for you to sit back and do nothing with regards to this amendment proposal, uh, you're going to be judged based on that. Because these are God's children that need to be protected, and the women need to be loved and served, okay? Several things that you can do right now. One, if you see people trying to collect signatures, do what you can to try and slow them down. There's nothing illegal about doing that. Go up and talk to them, uh, ask them to go through amendment word by word, ask some questions uh, that have been raised. Uh, right raised that yeah. 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 And, and, and then, you know, uh, you know, evangelize them, talk to the people That's that are waiting enough. in line to sign and convince them not to sign. Uh, if we can prevent them from collecting the uh, amount of signatures that they need, they need 414,000 signatures in 44 different counties. Uh, and there's some other things on top of that. If we can prevent them from getting there, we won't have to, uh, this won't make it to the ballot. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that we can stop the signature campaign. The second thing you can do, write letters to the editor, speak to 10 people that you know and have those people speak to 10 people that they know. This is uh, my generation is going to be seen as the, the the you know the the 60-year-olds are going to be seen as oh you're just trying to put your old moral ways on. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the 20 30-year-olds, the evangelists from Damascus that get out there and speak to these people about what this amendment truly means for the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. This is a drastic and radical amendment that will enshrine abortion in the state of Ohio forever. It will end any conversation about uh, any uh, limits on abortion to Ohio. Abortion will be allowed through all terms of pregnancy, including late-term abortions. It will allow for transgender uh, therapies, reassignment surgeries without parental consent. It will Mm -hmm. remove 24-hour waiting periods. Um, It will take doctors like me who practice according to my faith, which drives my conscience. Mm -hmm. Our conscience is many things, but it's driven partly by our faith. Out of practice. So, if you're a small town doctor listening to this, and you're you're uh, one of a few doctors in your area, and you know if you don't fight this, you're going to be faced with a situation where a young girl comes into you and says, "I want you to prescribe the abortion pill for me." And if you say, "I'm not going to do that based on my conscience," she's going to say, "You're violating my state constitutional right, and you're putting a burden on me by making me go to another city to get this done." Okay you may not be able to practice medicine in the state of Ohio. I know it's going to be very difficult for me. Uh, And I'm at a point where I could retire or go out of medicine. I don't want to because I like serving uh, the people that I serve. And I feel it is my calling to be there to help women uh, with their pregnancies and difficult situations. But you have to get active, okay? So we talked about trying to stop the signatures. We talked about speaking to 10 people and getting them to speak to 10 people. The other thing you got to do is you got to uh, call your uh, state representatives, ask them to approve changing the threshold for a constitutional amendment to 60%. Mm-hmm. It should not be easy to change the constitution in the state of Ohio. Right now, we're <laughs> in the second easiest state to change the constitution. It's harder to change the constitution in California and New York. Huh. Finally- you've got to get out and vote. You cannot sit on the sidelines with this election. Mm -hmm. You have to get out and vote against this amendment. And you have to get 10 people to go with you to vote. And those 10 people have to get 10 people to go with them. Mm -hmm. We have to have a voter turnout to defeat this amendment. So there's no sitting on the sidelines with this. This will be terrible for the state of Ohio. It's going to be bad for women, bad for doctors in the state of Ohio, bad for healthcare in the state of Ohio, and bad for Ohio overall.
1: Uh, Jack, can you, allow, can you write those down in the description for the episode? Yeah, that'd be, that'd that'd be real good. That would be great. Um, I, I, I oh, want right. to wrap us up. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough, Dr. Parker for, for being here on the show. Um, yeah. I'm really grateful for the way you've invested in, in my family, in this community and, uh, gosh, you're fighting behind the scenes and, and doing work that nobody around here even knows about. And it's, it's making a difference.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Aaron and Brad, for having me on the show. And it's been a greater blessing for me to have you be a part of my medical practice and and my life than Mm -hmm. you can ever believe because you have truly been witnesses to me and uh, to my family. uh, And there's there's not enough thank yous I can give you for that. So thank you for having me on the show.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, you bet. Uh, Friends, thanks for, thanks for joining us here today on Beyond Damascus. I want to close just with a little bit of testimony myself. I know Mm my, my life was transformed when I started exploring and understanding these questions about, about life, about identity, about sexual morality, and seeing those from the standpoint of the beauty that the church actually offers through the, through the study of the theology of the body, the work of Saint Pope John Paul II through the work of countless others who have given their lives to making sure that that message is communicated and articulated clearly in a way that can be understood and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And in seeing the rich history of the work that he drew upon, he didn't make this stuff up for himself. It, It calls upon the very nature of who we are as a human being made in the image and likeness of God. If you have struggled with uh, understanding or appreciating or believing these uh, concepts of identity, of freedom, of dignity for yourself, or if you've had difficulty articulating those and communicating those to others because you feel like you'll be judged or you feel like you'll be the one to judge, I would I would urge you to to dive deeply into this transformative work of study of renewal of the mind, so that you can truly be equipped for mission. Mm-hmm. This is this is not a a, a socially uh, a social agenda driven show. This is this is core to our to our belief and our identity of through encounter with Christ, through encounter with truth, that you'll be charged for a life of transformative mission, mm-hmm. friends. I want to witness to that to you. I want to invite you to uh, continue to engage with us. If you've got questions, feel free to leave a comment. Um, reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. You know where to find us here at Damascus. It's a it's a great privilege having you join us on the show here today. I want to thank also Saint Gabriel Radio, who's <laughs> been a ceaseless advocate. I know in this in this uh, battle uh, in the state of Ohio, um, but also here in supporting the work of Damascus on this on this show. So God bless you. You are in our prayers, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week.